0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: We're going to be talking about signs of the end of the age. Remember Jesus said you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. He went on to say, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, whether or not the current wars and conflicts around the world are those that Jesus spoke of, these changing times ought to make us deeply concerned for what we are called to be and called to do as Christian believers. Well, uncertainty is everywhere as the world battles COVID and the subsequent economic crisis. Many nations do remain at war and new wars are looming with our mainstream media focusing on tensions between China and around Taiwan or Hong Kong or even India. There are around 30 wars or conflicts that are underway around the world right now. You don't hear about them all do you? Then there's the other sort of war called the culture war that's been polarizing people in Western nations. There's no doubt these are tense days ahead and so a discussion today around what place the gospel has as tensions simmer and rise and It's a big topic and no doubt we'll focus on things that are not necessarily all about the end times but around what we might feel about those sorts of things as they rise today. Our special guest through this coming hour, Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim. He's joining us as we talk through the place that the gospel message has in the times that we are in that are changing so dramatically. Stu Miller, I might make a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be here. Stu, uh, when we talk about wars and rumours of wars, I think those words that Jesus used... Uh, they're alarming words. Mm. And we know that there are wars and conflicts that are going on around the world. We might even mention uh, two or three of those as we go. But uh, but they're alarming words. They capture our attention and they Mm. make us concerned. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are about just how things are deteriorating in so many places around the world and tensions rising even within places like the United States or the UK here in Australia.
0: Any thoughts? Absolutely. We're, we're living in very very interesting times aren't we? When we look around what's happening with COVID and uh, government overreach and the states and you know uh, it, there's so many things going on in the world that we sort of thought everything was, was stable. You know, if, if a year ago you spoke to me and said, uh, Stu, you know, this, 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 and this is going to happen in the next year, I would have thought you were bonkers. I would have thought there's no way the government's going to stop us meeting to, to, for church or telling me where I could go or, ha, ha, you know, when I can go out and for what reason and, and then riots and looting around the world and... And 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 calls to defund the police in America and just absolute craziness. And I'm I'm just sort of you sort of wake up and think, what's going to happen today? And,
1: and this uh, is the interesting thing here is this is not all last year, and we mm-hmm. ruled off after 2020. It didn't all of finish stuff, on, on on New Year's Eve. No. it's <laughs> carrying through into Absolutely. 2021, and mm. uh, for some. They're saying that these things may well intensify this mm. year. So yeah. uh, while we've all been hearing, you know, a variety of reports coming from different angles on all of this, right. uh, I think the reality is uh, last year's problems are not finished with. They mm. are
0: still advancing. Well, they're unsolved, Neil. I That's mean, right. uh, you know, a lot of people go, oh, I'm so glad 2020 is over. That was such a terrible year. We've got a new year and it's... a." F- if all the problems are solved because we you know we went from December to January. Uh, they still remain. We're still in turmoil where there's a lot of stuff happening around the world when there's a lot of uncertainty. and uh, that's why it's such an opportunity for us as Christians and the gospel because we have a message of hope. We have a message like we just heard in the last segment of peace in the midst of the storm. While everything's raging around us, while there's so much uncertainty and fear, we've got a rock that we can stand upon, and his name's Jesus. There's a place, and people here
1: in the media, Mm. and there's all sorts of uh, big dollars being thrown at, uh, mental health issues. Rising anxiety mm. and uh, the anxiety, which is another word of uh, of talking about the fears that mm. are at work in our hearts. When things are going bad, things are going wrong, relationships are breaking down, uh, there's uncertainty about where I'm going to get my next pay packet from because maybe I've lost my job or my hours mm. have been cut. All of these things still advancing a little bit of uh, assurance there financially because of job keeper and job seeker those sorts mm. of things which are going to come to an end sometime soon but we talk about anxiety another word that goes beyond that anxiety and uh, perhaps that's something that we can all relate to is mm. this idea of despair mm. uh, we can yep. be in desperation and mm. despair is something which uh, when
0: you have no hope it's right. your destiny when things are going bad mm. And I guess for for someone who who hasn't got the hope of of uh, a relationship with with Jesus, they don't understand that there's a creator of the universe that's sovereign, that everything is in His hands. He's in control of the universe. He knows what's going on. Uh, if you don't have know the, the God of the universe, uh, everything's just in flux. Anything could happen at any time and there's no reason for you to 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 hope that something would better would happen tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? It's uh we need a hope and and, and this isn't some people say Christianity's a crux. you know, you're just you you know you're leaning on a religion to to you know psychologically feel better about yourself. But it's, it's i don't i say it's not a crutch it's a stretcher i don't just re- lean on jesus i totally rely on him because he's the creator of the universe he's the one that sustains life he's the one that 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 gives uh hope and meaning and purpose to life and and i know that regardless of what's going on even if things get a lot lot worse than they are now it, what's the worst that can happen? You know, the, the Bible tells us, Jesus said, you know, do not fear man who can, who can destroy the body, but fear only God who can destroy both body and, and soul and hell. Ultimately, eternity is before us and our lives are like a, a, a blimp uh, on the time scale, isn't it? It's so short. We, our momentary troubles that we experience at the moment are nothing compared to eternity. And, and a perspective is needed.
1: Interesting, in Matthew 24 that I was quoting from mm-hmm. and Jesus talking about all of these bad things that will arise, the wars and the rumors of wars, the yes. famines and the conflicts, he says to the disciples something which is really quite powerful, mm. uh, and that is, see to it that you not be troubled mm. when these things happen.
0: That's right.
1: Now the power to not be troubled uh, if you don't have a faith in God, the transcendent God who has Mm. the universe in his hands. uh, If you don't have that faith, you are going to be troubled. You will Mm. be in anxiety and you will find yourself in that place of despair so mm. there's a there's something here there's in a contrast isn't
0: there if there's no hope there, there, if, if this is all there is what we see and touch and feel and smell if the natural world is all there is and there is no god there's no higher power there's no higher purpose this is it and there's something to be worried about when things go wrong in your in your world because if, if there's no higher power this is it. If, if you're in pain, that's, that's your life, pain. Uh, there's no hope beyond that. Uh, but Jesus gives us that hope. I was really thrilled
1: to be able to bring those elements of the ecumenical church service that our federal parliamentarians attended this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's interesting because a lot of people who want to ignore God in the equation of what's going on here in Australia and around the world. Uh, that's where their hope stops at the mm. parliamentarians. It's who's the prime minister that's right. and that's the responsibility on their shoulders. Who's the opposition leader holding the government to account? And so it's like there's a ceiling drawn over those politi- uh, those political leaders. Uh, of course, you have a service like this this morning. It reminds us, and even if you, you've missed all <laughs> of the elements of what the pastor was preaching there, yes. uh, it reminds us that God is above that's right. what happens in government. And uh, we ought to be very thrilled mm. that that is a tradition here in Australia that our parliamentarians do meet at the beginning of a parliamentary year mm-hmm. and uh, they acknowledge God and his role over mm. us here in Australia. Uh, uh, I don't know whether you heard the whole service, but, uh, but there's a,
0: a powerful thing in there just mm. in the fact that there is a service. A- absolutely. And uh, although who we vote for and who ends up in power does have a, a, an enormous bearing on society and can make some huge differences in society. For a Christian, it's not the ultimate. Ultimately, God's still in control. Ultimately, God's still on the throne. And regardless of whether you know things are going well or not in society, our hope doesn't rest in, in whether things are going well or not. It rests in Someone, not in something, and you know, like you said in Matthew 20, 24 when Jesus said, "You know, don't be troubled." It's like uh, often we're praying for God to solve the problem. God, make this go away. But He's promised that there will be troubles <laughs> at the you know towards the end times, and and um, whatever your eschatology, because I know there's a lot of different theology about. What happens at the end? I think all of us can agree that today we're, we're another day closer to the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, another day that we won't have ever again, that we have the opportunity of introducing other people to Jesus. And, allowing the gospel to impact people's lives and to to give them that security, that hope, that peace that only comes through Jesus.
1: So our conversation today is about the value of the gospel, and uh, I think uh, listeners will be able to hear that the foundation we're coming from for a conversation like this is an assumption that there's a lot of believers that are undervaluing the power of the gospel Mm. in the lives of individuals. And so... I've got a question that I'm asking listeners to respond to today and our talkback line is open. Let's open those lines now. You can call in and be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. The question I'm asking for those uh, Facebook uh, people to respond to is where do you think sharing the gospel sits on a scale of importance where 1 is low and 10 is critically important? And I'm going to ask Stu Miller in just a few moments (laughs) where he thinks people are at because he's uh, training people in evangelism and doing all these sorts of things with the gospel. I'm going to ask him uh, where he thinks the majority is at. We'll talk about that in just
0: a few moments. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: Well, our special guest this hour is Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim, and every time we've gotten together over many, many years now, uh, some wonderful, even heart-to-heart conversations that we've been able to have, Stu, hmm. and so I'm going to ask you that heart-to-heart question. One of, and I <laughs> listeners are expecting an honest answer. You're the evangelism trainer. You get this opportunity to uh, to engage with people, and you're probably engaging with the enthusiastic ones because mm. they're turning out to have some sort of evangelism training. You know That's they're right. the enthusiastic ones. Yeah. Uh, the question I'm asking listeners today, where do you think sharing the gospel sits on a scale of importance, one low and ten critically important? Where do you think most people are at today?
0: That's a very difficult question because I, I don't think that there's uh, an answer. I mean, you could do an, a happy average, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but there really is Christians right on that scale from right one right through to ten. There's there's incredibly enthusiastic Christians that are going out sharing the gospel all the time. They love the gospel. They love the transformation um, and the power that's in the gospel to, to see people's lives changed. Uh, and then there's people on a one that are, are, are so... Oblivious to the need to share the gospel, they're just like, "Well, I'm just going through life. I'm going to church. I'm, you know, I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible." But, you know, they don't see the mission that and the limited amount of time that we have before the end comes to actually share the gospel. So, and there's a big range in between. And I'd say most Christians are are, are probably halfway. (laughs) But, but Neil, I would say that I I think maybe there's a, a a rising awareness of the need for the gospel that that is getting higher in the church, particularly in the West. I, I know in, in the non-West, there's a much more of an urgency for the gospel. And when I go over to places like India and the Philippines and, and places like this, there's a, there's a, a passion. You know, people become Christians and then I've, I've got to tell people, I've got to let them know. Uh, and they go out and they do that. Uh, whereas, in you know, we're seeing quite an apathy in the West. But I think with all the turmoil and the, and the change and everything and the storm that's come, there's a, a sense where, the church is waking up, <laughs> and that's a good thing because you know we've got to we've got to reestablish our focus on Jesus. We've got to reestablish our focus on our mission here as a church to reach people with the gospel.
1: Let's come back to the people who are at number one on the scale. Sure. In other words, at the lowest end, there Mm -hmm. might even be people going worse than that. I'm going to be zero. You know, it's (laughs) like, uh, you know, I'm just uh, oblivious to the need for sharing the gospel. And it may be that that person is someone who responded in an evangelistic rally and uh, the evangelist said, you know, come forward now and pray this prayer. And uh, that person has gone forward and they've mouthed the words of a sinner's prayer. Mm. uh, And in that sense, fallen across the line. Uh, But don't ask me to do anything more than that. Uh, You know, I thought my salvation was secure by falling across the line. I wonder if you've got any thoughts for that person who's at number one. And as you said, they're oblivious to the need of sharing the gospel. But yep. this is what Christians are called to do, and be: is people who are followers of Christ and reflecting. I mean, Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, so send I you. Right. Uh, so what are your thoughts for people who are right down at that lower end?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Romans 10 tells us that, you know, how will people believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone goes to them? And, you know, so it's, it's a very clear progression. We've got to go and people have got to hear and then they've got to believe before they can be saved. And we're talking about the whole of eternity. So this really does matter. I mean, Paul writes in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me Unless I finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now we know that Paul often uses this illustration of running the race towards the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus, and you know he talks about you know like the athletic sort of um, analogies that he uses, and he's talking about, but he's always talking about running this race, and you sort of think, well, what is this race? But the only time in Scripture I know it's actually explained is in Acts twenty twenty four, where it says that that that, that race. Finish the race the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So, for Paul, he's saying, Look, and, and the way that verse starts is incredible to me. He's saying, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I don't finish this race. He's saying, The gospel's so important that if I don't get this done, I'll, I've missed the boat. My, my life's been a waste of time. I've, 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 my life's worth nothing to me if I don't get this done because this is what God's called us to do. We've got a, a message and a, a, of eternal life to bring to people that will impact their lives for not just here on earth but forever. Wow. So if you're sitting at number one today and you're listening, I would highly encourage you to, to, uh, to think about the last words of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel every creature. And
1: I imagine that when we say that
0: uh, we can have the ones who are on the front
1: line with the gift of the gab Mm -hmm. you know a Stu Miller out on the front lines uh, you know open to all of the possibilities and dangers that can go wrong and there's going to be those that are helping the Stu Millers of the world to be on the front line so we can be involved in the evangelism process Mm -hmm. not necessarily being the person who is the front line person although I, I think you know we always say you know let's get equipped so that we We're able to share the gospel ourselves, Mm. and there's some wonderful technology that enables us to do that. I just want to touch on those ones. Those people are at the bottom of the list, Mm. and the idea that they may be the first into despair when the hard times come upon us, the wars and the rumors of wars Mm -hmm. and the famines, the pestilence, all of these sorts of things, and they may actually be the vulnerable ones Mm. who might be quickest to fall away because they somehow or other have no appreciation of the value of the gospel and the Mm. power of the gospel. Any thoughts on vulnerabilities for people at the low end?
0: Mm. Absolutely. I I think if you've got a low view of the gospel, uh, then you're going to be susceptible to despair because it's the the hope of the gospel that, that keeps us afloat in times like this. Uh, without that hope and without that peace, uh, you know, it's very hard to get through times like uh, this.
1: There's uh, report. Uh, one uh, comment here to reflect from our Facebook question. Just a reminder: the Facebook question asks today, where do you think sharing the gospel sits on a scale of importance, where one is low and ten is critically important? Matt has replied. He says. It's hard, though, because it's one of the most offensive ideas to share. Most people don't seem to want to discover that what they value and trust could be meaningless and harmful. I try to stay alert for opportunities where I can share it gently. Now, mm. that's an interesting comment. Thank you so much, Matt, uh, for making that comment. But, um, you know, it's the gospel is for mm. some an offensive idea. So we hold back because we're trying not to offend anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts around that type of uh, comment from Matt?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and in uh, 1 Peter 3.15, you know, it says that we should always be ready to give an account of the hope that's within us. But it, uh, people often quote that and finish there. But it doesn't finish there. It says, and to do so with gentleness and respect. And that's a great part. And I love the fact that he's saying he wants to, to gently do that. Uh, lies we don't need to be offensive we don't need to be rash and, and uh, bulldoze people or manipulate people or bully people we don't need to be high pressure salesmen when I'm doing evangelism training' I'm, I'm trying to to uh, get that out of our way of thinking because I think traditionally we've thought of evangelism as bailing people up on the street or you know forcing them to hear something they don't want to hear whereas in this is good news we actually have the good news of Jesus. We're, we're, this isn't bad news. This is good news for people. Now, I know whenever we bring the good news, we also have, have to bring the bad news, which is that we're all sinners. We've broken God's laws. And for some people, that's an offensive thing. Oh, I'm such a good person. How dare you suggest that i um, you know, sinned against God? But you know, any honest person will come to that point where they go, you know what, I have. I've blown it I've, I've, done, I've broken God's laws uh, then the hope that comes through Jesus being punished in our place and offering eternal life is incredible so this really is a, it's a, really it's the I think Neil the way that we come across and I think rather than bailing people up or pressurizing them or having these tense conversations, um, I would encourage people to use conversational evangelism and things like the G7 app, which is the, the tool that we train with. And the reason we use that is because it's, it's you're sitting beside someone, it's gentle. You're both looking at a screen, there's no eyeballing. It re- removes, removes a lot of that confrontation and that iciness. And you can gently go through the message of what the Bible's saying to us. It's not. Have you ever sinned, Neil? It's like, hey, this is what the Bible says that we have sinned, mm. <laughs> so it's it's applying to both of us, and so this is a message to us. It's not me arguing with you. And I think the spirit in which we do it is very, very important. it should be done with gentleness and respect. So I encourage people to get some good tools and some training that will help you to be able to lovingly and gently share the gospel message. Uh, Stu, uh, mention mentioned wars and rumours
1: of wars. Um, there are around 30 conflicts that are going on around the world. Uh, I'll bet you can't name them all. <laughs>
0: I can't, no. <laughs> the,
1: uh, the ones we might be most familiar with, uh, there is war that continues in the Afghanistan conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners will know that there is war that's going on in Yemen. Uh, Yemeni crisis uh, continues uh, as, as uh, we speak. There's also another one called the Tigray War in Africa. Never hear of that. Uh, no. no reporters, no Aussie reporters there to tell us what's going on. But then uh, they sort of define war as where more than ten thousand people have been killed in conflict over the past year. And then right. there's more, major. Uh, more. They're more major mm. conflicts. There are more uh, minor conflicts that are. Uh, renowned to be conflict, and some of those that we'd be familiar with, of course, uh, uh, would be you know the Iraq conflict mm. that continues on. Uh, there's the Mexican drug war mm. uh, that's uh, you know uh, happening uh, between cartels and and authorities. Uh, Boko Haram, the insurgency that yes. goes on in Africa. Terrible. Uh, there's still um, a civil war. Uh, that's happening in Syria. Mm. You know That's all still going on, not in the headlines as much, so we can almost forget that it's even going on. So there are those sorts of things and then there are some more minor conflicts and things around the world as well. But wars and rumors of wars, perhaps there's been wars and rumors of wars throughout the whole history of the world. Mm. Uh, When the headlines report those wars, we go, oh, I wonder if that's what the Bible is teaching about. But irrelevant, as I said in the introduction as Mm. to whether the current wars and rumors of wars are in fact those biblical end times wars, how we respond now Mm. is very, very important. And uh, the idea that there are all sorts of challenges upon us, uh, we ought to somehow rather, just like Jesus said, don't be fearful of those things, but rise above it. What are your thoughts for the Christian believer and uh, just how we place ourselves in rising above the
0: idea of fearful conflicts? Mm. Well I think we've been isolated from it for for some time um in the west and we sort of hear about it but it's a long way away Neil I mean it's like it's not it's not affecting us because we're here uh but now we're in a situation where there's a lot of things that are affecting us our freedoms are being removed we've uh we've got the you know the, this this uh g- g- the whole covid and all the restrictions we've got you know talk of the great reset we've got talk, you know all these things that are happening Globally and in Western nations, that are going to affect us and affect us in big ways. So, uh, with all the uncertainty and fear that's involved in that, <coughs> it's a perfect opportunity for every Christian to be able to uh, declare the hope that we have in Christ in the middle of all this. And uh, you know, we we have something that that transcends circumstances. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> hope in Jesus and. So I don't know that that there's more of a a, a better time for us as Christians to be able to go out with the gospel. I think... When th- everything's going swimmingly, where everyone's happy, I you know I don't need God, and we see this right through the Old Testament, don't we? There's a pattern that happens in the Old Testament where everything's going well for the for, for the Israelites, and 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 you know their vats are overflowing and their vineyards are, are full, and the, you know everything's great, and their the enemies aren't they're living in peace, and the, what do they do? They forget about God, and they turn to themselves, and they turn to false idols, and they they do what they want, and everyone does what's right in their own eyes, and then God in his displeasure, removes his hand of blessing off them and then the enemies attack them and everything goes wrong for them and then they cry out to the Lord in the midst of the fear and the uncertainty because they realize that, hey, our security isn't in what we thought it was. We need to put our security in Christ. And I think that's exactly where we're at right now. We need to cry out to God and we need to uh, point that way to others. To find that hope.
1: You know there couldn't have been a better message I think than that one that was delivered at this morning's ecumenical mm. service uh, which our Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition, they both attended yep. had scripture readings there, it was Pastor Gabor Sabo Lutheran Minister who delivered the sermon this morning for the Parliamentary Ecumenical Service and he was talking about Uh, the disciples on the boat Mm -hmm. and uh, the storm came Mm -hmm. and uh, they'd all then woken up at that point because I suspect a few of them were asleep too. I'm not sure of the exact details there, but Jesus was (laughs) asleep on the boat and not worried about the storm at all. And uh, the disciples woke Jesus up saying, you know, look what's happening here. Did you care that we're going (laughs) to (laughs) die? So interesting, as we talk about Wars and rumours of wars, tension in these times. Mm. Uh, You say that uh, perhaps there's a little bit of an alignment there between the disciples and Jesus asleep on the boat Mm. when in actual fact um, uh, there needs to be a a bit of a wake-up call with the tensions that are going on.
0: Yeah, I think the church has been asleep uh, in the West. We've had everything going so well for us. We've been so prosperous and and, you know, have everything that we need. And we're a little bit like the children of Israel. Everything's going well and we forget about God. We haven't necessarily forgotten about God. We still go along to church and sing our three fast songs and two slow songs and put our money in the pot and we carry on. But we think life's great. It's just carrying on, we're, but we're not super engaged in the mission of God of reaching this world for him. And so I think uh, we are as a church starting to wake up in these times when things are a bit more tumulus and saying, let's, you know, we're recognizing there's a storm there and we actually need to wake Jesus up. We're like, Jesus, we need you. Yeah. <laughs> we need you to help. And so I think it's a, a positive thing. And, and I guess all over the world, whenever there's been persecution, the church is growing rapidly because church, Christians have woken up. They've taken seriously the call upon their lives to share the gospel, and the church is growing.
1: I know that Pastor Gabor drew attention to the idea that on the boat, the disciples were able to physically. Uh, shake Jesus on the shoulder and wake him up and alert him to the fact that uh, we're all in danger we're going to die do something here um, I'm also inspired by the idea that Jesus said I'm going to leave you but I'm not leaving you alone I'm sending the comforter Uh, The one who is the Holy Spirit, who's going to be walking alongside you. So there is a sense here in which Jesus is not absent from our struggles today, but perhaps we're not even giving our attention to shaking him by the shoulder, by the Holy Spirit, uh, to say, help us in our problems.
0: Yeah and and I guess some people would say well Jesus was right there you know you could shake him you could talk to him you could you could hear him say peace be still to the storm and the storm calms you know it's okay for the disciples they had Jesus right on the spot but Jesus said if I you know when they were saying don't go don't go when he said I have to go and he says, "But if I don't go, I can't, you know, um, leave the Holy Spirit." And so he's saying, "Well, I go, but the Holy Spirit's not going to be available just to a select few people that are uh, around him. Visit, you know, Jesus physically. The Holy Spirits are now available to everyone on on the pl- face of the planet. Every one of us can uh, tap into uh, the power of God and and." Hear from God personally. The veil of, uh, the, of the curtain has been torn when Jesus died. We no longer have to go to a temple or have a priest go to the holy of holies. Each of us can come before God ourselves, and uh, and come into his throne room, meet with him, you know, through Jesus Christ dying for us. And that's an amazing thing. And we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and the mission that he's called us to.
1: And that's in personal crises. And then, of course, there's the corporate crises that we might face as a nation. Facebook question today is asking, where do you think sharing the gospel sits on a scale of importance where one is low and ten is critically important, Carolyn has responded, and uh, she's said, "Because I said you know ten is critically important." Uh, Carolyn says uh, ten plus. Uh, so I like that, <laughs> especially the young generation who've been blessed in Christian families and have become apathetic and indifferent to the fact that it was a Christian society that has blessed them and uh, goes on to talk about some education issues as well. So mm-hmm. there is a blessed generation. not sure whether the 10 and the 1 might have been a little confused there, but uh, this idea that a young generation, how do mm-hmm. you view a young generation and how they might be with the value of the gospel,
0: as uh, Stu? Well, I think again, there's such a variety, near Where I, I meet some very passionate young people who are keen to share the gospel, and then I, I meet some that are definitely ones. They, they've got no <laughs> desire at all. They just their whole world is their phone and uh, their friends, and every, you know that that is they're very insular, very navel gazing. Um, but you know, there's other young people who are just you know. Getting a vision for what God can do in their lives and the impact that they can have. And young people, if you're, if there's young people listening here today, you have a, your whole life ahead of you where you can do incredible things for God. Uh, you know, um, we're told in the Bible not to despise those who are young. Uh, we want to encourage you today that you can have an a, incredible impact in these times, uh, not only on your generation of youth, but on every generation to come.
1: You have this idea of the process that happens in salvation, uh, the idea of being lost in sins, mm. uh, in despair, a recognition that there is a need for God. Mm. And sometimes that, for some it starts intellectually. Others have a more emotional uh, feel about that. Mm. But then you have this encounter with God mm. moment. And perhaps that's at a time when you might say, a sinner's prayer mm. there might be something that you know puts a a line in the sand a marker in the ground that says this is a moment when I'm connecting with God I'm inviting mm. him to come and live in me mm. I'm repenting from my sins then you have the idea of the transformed life mm. the transformed life that leads mm. to transformed families that leads to transformed communities mm. the peace of God that comes on a life that sure. is On the other side of that decision to follow Christ, Mm. uh, it seems to me that somehow or other we might have missed some of the aspiration of what it is to be a believer and what the gospel actually brings into a community, Mm. the peace of God that can come into a despairing community. We seem to have lost that a little bit, and, uh, and there's a little bit of a disconnect, Stu.
0: Yeah, and and particularly young people, that you know that that are passionate. They say they want to change the world, and and not just young people. A lot of us say well, we want to change the world, but how do you change the world? Well, you, the world's made up of of individual people, and you know societies are made up. Of, we want to change society, but it's made up of individual people, and if you change, how do you change individual people in order to change society? Well, you need to change their hearts. And if you want to change their hearts, we need to preach the gospel because it starts at a heart level. Sometimes we think it's politicians. Politicians will change the world. But we know that that's just isn't the case because when people's hearts aren't changed, you can have some terrible politicians doing terrible things in society and and whole nations that can be under dictators and under terrible rule and tyranny. Uh, The only thing that's going to make this world the place that it needs to be, a place of peace and hope and love, is Jesus Christ, transforming hearts. That that exact thing that you were talking about before, that that encounter with God that changes people's hearts, which changes people's lives, which changes their families, which changes communities, which changes societies, which changes nations, which changes the world. You want to change the world? It starts with preaching the gospel. Uh, You know, I think we're making
1: a pretty powerful point here that the gospel is that transforming moment. Uh, where you're going to be set on a new trajectory. Uh, This is interesting, though, as uh, I'm hearing you respond there and asking that question of listeners today, where do you think sharing the gospel sits on a scale of importance? One is low, ten is critically important. I wonder whether there's a parallel question that can go along with that. And it might be about how we love people, because Mm. when you describe that person who has their mobile device, uh, I began to think, oh, what about the person who's just money oriented and Mm. uh, uh, trampling over everyone to Mm. go up the corporate ladder or just, uh, you know, money is everything. It's all about me, me, me. Uh, You know, I'd give a little bit of a moment or two for that church stuff. Uh, But there's this love for people. If you don't have any love for any people, you're not going to want to share the gospel with them. Mm. So how do you get around that whole idea? How do you assess that?
0: Uh, You know, when it all boils down, what's important here, Stu? Mm. Well, it's interesting that Jesus said that the two greatest commandments and uh, that they're a summary of the law and the prophets are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God and loving others, it all comes down to love. And if we love God, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll do, do what I command you. So uh, if we love God, we're going to want to do what he's called us to do in, in our mission and going out and reaching people with the gospel. And if we love people, I think it's it's almost a hatred for people that we must have if we're not prepared to share the good news. It's like someone having cancer. We've got the cure for cancer, but we don't tell them about it. I mean, that's not love. that's That's almost hate. We've got to go care about people enough that we overcome the societal, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for, the, the, the barriers, societal barriers that stop us from actually approaching people and talking about Jesus because we think it's going to be offensive. And like I said to you before, Neil, it doesn't have to be offensive. You're going to offend some people some of the time. <laughs> but the way that we do it doesn't have to be in an offensive way. I think if anyone's going to be offended, I want them to be offended by the gospel, not by me. <laughs> and I think the way that we do it is very, very important. I can't help but think that we're
1: so individualized. Uh, there's this focus on individualism in Australia, And it leads us to be thinking about ourselves. I mean, you just got to watch any media uh, because it's all trying to sell us something. Mm. And it's trying to tell us that we need all sorts of products. And it's, uh, you know, we are the ones who are at the center of it all. So individualism ignores other people. Or the needs of other people, so we're not quick to meet people's needs, to be generous when there is a requirement to be generous, mm. and because of this individualism, it seems like the gospel has a low value, and uh, somehow or other, we've got to be able to break through that. And mm. uh, I don't know whether there's any easy answers to that, uh, other than you uh, know in, in, involving people in the uh, in discipleship and uh, loving people to a point where
0: they can learn to love others too. Mm. Well, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a whole topic in itself and maybe we explored it another time, but I was just thinking before when you're talking about on the, the scale of one being not interested at all sort of thing and sharing the gospel, ten being, it's absolutely critical, and why there is some so many Christians in, in that lower end of the spectrum. And I think one of the things, maybe, Neil, is that we've got a misunderstanding about, about the task, you know, and I think we're easily, uh, you know, m- drawn to the idea that it's somebody else's job it's not my job it's it's you know it's those it's those guys with a gift of the gab like you were saying before like the stew millers the the people who are happy to talk with anyone about jesus you know you you that's your gift i don't have that gift and of course when you look at at romans chapter to 12 and first corinthians chapter 12 the two big gift chapters and goes through all the manifestational and motivational gifts we're actually just studying this at our church at the moment. We're on Romans 12. Uh, but we're, we look at that, and there's no mention of evangelism. Yet every gift course and analysis that I can find, you know, gift, spiritual gifts analysis, always has evangelism in there. <clears throat> because I guess it's easy to identify if someone's got the gift of the gab, the sort of extroverted person. They like talking to others. And then we go, right, you're the evangelist. But actually, it's not on the list at all. And I I think we've got to realize that we need introverts to share the gospel. We need all types to reach all types. And this is a task for the church as a whole, for all of us, not just for some people with some supposed gifts. I've been offering $1,000, as you know, for a long time for anyone who can find anywhere in the Bible that evangelism is a gift. Uh, And I'm not broke yet because no one can find it. Uh, there is a gift of evangelist, of course, you know, Ephesians 4, 11, 12, yep. the evangelist is to equip the saints for the works of ministry, which implies that it's it's not for him to do it all. It's to him to equip the saints, equip Christians to be able to communicate the gospel. And so it's this is the role for everyone. It takes all types to reach all types. We're a team. We're all, this, we should all be working together to reach in our Oikos, our our networks, our, our families, our friends, the people that we know, and even beyond that to people that we don't know. And that idea that we're not all called to be evangelists, mm-hmm.
1: but we're all called to, to be witness. we're yeah. witnesses, yeah. Uh, witnesses of what God has done in us. Mm-hmm. So we share that with others. And, mm. uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you said, you know, there's a disease and we have a cure. Mm. Uh, the idea that there is a poison at work, we can call it sin, and there is an antidote to mm. that sin, and it is the gospel message Mm. it's uh, powerful there Mm. is a pandemic that has a vaccination Uh, And it's the gospel message. I mean, these are the sorts of things that are Mm. on our lips today because we're in Mm. a pandemic situation. So we're much more aware of this idea. But sin as the poison Mm. and the gospel being the antidote. Uh, Let's not leave it end there because then Mm. we have this commission that goes on afterwards uh, where we're all called to be able to share that. And that takes some level of equipping, which has a powerful uh, Mm. uh, uh, way to... uh, uh, to uh, stimulate and uh, and yeah. get that heart going. That's Stu, why we
0: all need to be equipped, Neil. We, we've got to be ready to give an account of the hope that's within us.
1: Well, Stu, this is where uh, I love to just draw attention to Uh, the free and uh, high-quality evangelism resources that people will find on the Train to Proclaim website. Uh, You yourself are an evangelist. Uh, You've said about, and we've been talking on programs like this for years, about how we can help to uh, get those listeners who are wanting to go a step up and, uh, you know, where do you go for help? What resources can I use? Well, these are trustworthy resources High-quality evangelism resources, including the G7 app that uh, we were talking about, Uh, Stu. When someone goes to the Train to Proclaim website Mm -hmm. and they're thinking, "Oh, I just heard Neil say I could find something here that might be useful," Mm -hmm. what do you recommend?
0: Well, uh, there's—I would recommend some training. Go to the 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 resources tab, and uh, under there, there's a whole lot of different—you know—there's multimedia resources that you can get, but. A tap on the training, you know, because getting some training on how to share the gospel would be incredibly helpful. Um, and the app itself actually has an internal tutorial that helps you learn how to use the app as well. So you, can, you don't even need to go to our website. You can, you can go to your normal app store uh, or Google Play store, depending on whether you've got Android or, or a iPhone uh, or iPad, And uh, just go there, type in G7 or Gospel in 7, Gospel IN and the number 7, and it's a blue icon. It'll pop up, and then you can, uh, under the instructions, it's got a little video that you can watch that teach you how to do it. So I'd say get equipped. Uh, Definitely go to the Train to Proclaim website as well. The other thing you could do, and it's a fantastic resources from the Vision Store, is the video called Reaching People You Don't Know. How to Bring Christ to Your Community Without a Crisis to Your Church. And that's a, it's a 10 five-minute video, so it's very, very easy to go through, and it's great for small groups. It's got questions at the end of each session that you can discuss. It's a great conversation starter uh, for your, your small group to activate people to start thinking about evangelism. So get, why don't you get a copy of that and do it with your, with your home group or uh, give one to your pastor. Go to the vision store. Well,
1: wars, rumors of wars, uh, famines, pandemics, uh, those sorts of things can cause us to have levels of anxiety and uh, for some in our communities, even a point of despair and when they're directly affected by the economic uh, things that go along with uh, the pandemic, people in the community are ready to hear the gospel now and you'll probably know someone who is at a point where they will want to hear Uh, something that sounds like an antidote to the poison they're experiencing. So let me just say train2proclaim.com. Uh, download the G7 app, get a hold of some of those evangelism resources. I mean, uh, there's no rod on anyone's back to do any of this. It all comes down to, uh, well, I'm hearing something from God. Mm. And uh, as that prompting comes, uh, take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, Mm. How do you actually get that love that's already inside you thinking, Mm. you know, I have the love, I'm just Mm. not well-equipped. You know, you might be saying I'm well-equipped, but I haven't got the love. I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe there's some other things there to talk about as well. But Stu Miller... Uh, Always so good getting your insights. Uh, You founded Train to Proclaim. It is on your heart to be able to equip people Uh, so that they can effectively share the gospel. And it's not just falling across a line uh, with a moment of prayer and knowing that you are saved. uh, There is a transforming that goes on and then a calling upon the life uh, to be a follower of Jesus and to do what he said. Just as God the Father has sent me, so am I sending you as a disciple. Uh, Stu, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil.